I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Welcome, welcome, you guys. As always, thanks for being here. Thanks for being a patron. Thanks for supporting my work. And let's jump in. So I have a couple of questions from patrons. The first question today is waiting and screen times and my thoughts on that and if there are benefits, pros or cons. And the second question has to do with how to spark graciousness in your child with a particular focus on taking responsibility and being grateful, which we know is not their strength. (laughs) Got a bunch of ingrates pretty much at every age. So let's jump in with the first question and I'll just read it out loud. Hey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how the lack of needing to wait can affect kids. You've talked before about the drastic change in lifestyle and how kids used to run free range around the neighborhood. And now that all looks so different. And I think the same can be said for waiting. Screens have made it easy to erase waiting in the general sense when it comes to being out shopping, car rides, restaurants, even using the bathroom. For me, I never wanted to bring screens in at those times, and I am not a purist about screen time. But I've noticed over time as a mom, I'm the one, now that my kids are a little bit older, I'm the one who doesn't complain about my kids in the car. Even though we've done countless long road trips from Florida to New York City since the kids were babies. No screens, they have toys, audible, we listen to music, and they're calm. Some of the games you shared in your recent podcast are the ones we do, like Would You Rather when we're waiting in line. And much like you want to be sure your kid learns to ride public transportation, I had shared a story about Pascal having to navigate public transportation with friends. You also don't want to wait till your child's a teenager to get them comfortable with waiting. As I know, I think I talk about that a lot, right? Like there's no magical age where all of a sudden your kid's going to be a patient waiter. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how the lack of needing can affect kids. For me, it almost always feels like there's more whining and that can be an end result because the kids are constantly used to being entertained, even if every waiting opportunity is eliminated with screen time. So yes, 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 yes. To be very, very, very clear, and you guys know this, I am not not only anti-screen, I'm actually pretty (laughs) pro-screen. I might be the last living person who doesn't think it's killing us. And I say that every time I have to bring up uh, screens. But as, as this mama stated, there is no magical age, right? Like you might the thing about screens and waiting is number one, it's a crutch. Of course, we know that it's it's a crutch. But we always, the thing is, is when you start using a crutch, it becomes the thing. And so that's why, 
you know, when we discuss potty training, I am a rip the bandaid off. People are like, oh, well, what about pull-ups? And I'm like, yeah, but you're never going to potty train. We're rushed. We're always rushed. So if you use a pull-up as a crutch, you're going to constantly use it. You're never, you're never going to potty train. Yeah. It just, it gets put in the background. And I feel like the same thing is with screens. You know, you might be like, okay, just this once, but we know how often that turns into twice and then all the time. (laughs) But let's talk about the actual, like the benefits of waiting, because I think in this particular instance, though I am pro screen, I think there's huge benefits to being anti-screen while waiting. And as always, you guys, I'm pro-parent. I'm pro-parent getting a fucking break in our society today. So, you know, if you feel like you need it, use it. I I say this all the time, like, be very clear though. Be very clear. Like I'm using it because X, Y, Z, even say those words to yourself. Just like I tell parents, yeah, screen time is the best babysitter. If you can't afford a babysitter or you can't get a babysitter, use the fucking babysitter that's free and in front of you. It's the screen. So that's fine. Yeah. But what I feel very firmly about is make sure you know the reason and say, I am using this as a babysitter. Don't trick yourself. Don't trick yourself into saying, well, they really want to blah, blah, blah. You know, we. Th- I think that's the real damage that comes in in any situation is when we start lying to ourselves, start trying to trick ourselves. Just be really clear about it and be like, I'm exhausted. I'm in the car. I can't handle this shit because I am strung out and I'm going to put them on screens because I'm using it for this purpose. Yeah. So just be very clear. The thing about screen, about waiting and screens is it's really about two things. One thing is delayed gratification. And I'll say more about that. And there's another thing of, can you be bored? Can you occupy yourself in your own head? And this is a skill that is really probably going to be lost in a generation. So I think we should really... I think we should keep it up. And there's a third thing I think that's that is important is I think being aware of your surroundings. So we all know that screens take us away from our surroundings. And there's a couple of reasons that you want to be aware of your surroundings. So I nixed screens in the car. You have to remember when Pascal was little, the first the first iPad came out when Pascal was little. So that's how kind of how fast we've moved, right? And so like all things we were like, woohoo, this is freaking rocks. My kid is like quiet for hours. We had no, there was no talk about screen time yet because we were like, this is better than sliced bread. So, you know, there was this, there's this like mixed generation and my niece and nephew are kind of in it too. The, the, I think they're probably later Gen Z or millennials, but they're, um, later millenniums. I'm not sure, but, um, But anyway, this cross of like the time we didn't know it was doing damage (laughs) or that damage could be done, right? Or that too much could be a bad thing, right? So we, you know, Pascal had the iPad in the car, uh, phones. I don't think phones had become, no, phones weren't quite as sophisticated. Maybe smartphones were just kind of getting there. I don't, I didn't have a smartphone for sure. I think I was still operating on my old flip phone. But anyway, he was in the car and I realized he got to be, I don't know, five, six, seven. And he really didn't know his way. He didn't know. I was like, Hey, can you get us home from the market? Which is really close. And he had no clue. And I was like, Oh man, the kid doesn't have any clue. And then I started realizing he was missing all kinds of things going by, you know, interesting things, animals in the woods, trains, even accidents, you know, not that you want your kid looking at an accident, but like, Oh, wow. Look at the fire trucks, you know, or whatever. So that's when I next 
the screens and the, the waiting in the car because I feel like there's value to knowing your surroundings. And I do think that's partially what's going on with the, I live in a college town and the young people in college do not look, they're, they're kind of dangerous because they're, they don't even look at where they're going. They're so in their phone. And I think, wow, it would be very easy to run up and get mugged. You know, you want to keep your, you want to know your surroundings in any given circumstance. So I think there's value in that. Delayed gratification is a problem in our society. Anyway, we just, we don't even know how to delay gratification in our kids. If you're, we've become, unfortunately, we've become a generation of parents who we just can't tolerate any distress in our kids. And thus our kids can't tolerate any distress. And it's, it's really, it's really, really bad. You guys, we have kids like it's, it's, and what do I want to say? It's almost worse. The more conscious you are, the more concerned about your parenting, the more likely this is happening. And I feel like all my work boils down to like three basic tenets, right? And this is one of them that like your kid is allowed to have all their feelings. They can be in discomfort. They can be in, you know, low level distress. I'm not talking high distress, but low level distress and they can work through that. And we have this like real paradox going on, which is parents want to allow their kids to have all their feelings. But the minute their kid has a feeling, the parent is trying to put some sort of band-aid, be it literal or figurative, on the child's feelings, which is negating and invalidating the kid's feelings, right? And so I see it all the time. Like, oh my God, well, he'll be bored and he'll start to cry if I don't give him the iPad. Okay, nobody died from boredom. Nobody died from crying because they didn't get the iPad. (laughs) The other thing is we know this. This is time and time again. Boredom begets creativity. Creativity, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. When your kid gets good and bored, they're going to play very interesting games. That's when they start playing with all the things around them. They start making up games with sticks and stones and your kitchen utensils. And that's where things go. If the screen is constantly put in front of them, they will never get bored. And so that's the that's the bigger problem, I think, with screens and particularly with waiting. But let's break it down because we have like waiting in cars, we have waiting in restaurants, we have waiting in, you know, while you're going grocery shopping and appointments and those kinds of things. So again, we talked about the car, knowing where you are. And again, I think there's just value in being able to entertain yourself. I think there's value in sitting with your own thoughts, even if it's your, you know, three-year-old thoughts, (laughs) it's still pretty valuable. Restaurants are pretty interesting for me. So I personally have mixed feelings about kids in restaurants. I just, when Pascal, I think it was like from like 18 months to three he just didn't go to restaurants. I just I just didn't feel the need to push restaurant behavior at that point in time. And I know people feel strongly, I see it all the time on social media, like, oh, I'm training my kid to be good at a restaurant. I just think there's certain ages that they're just so freaking unpredictable. I just didn't want to be in that position. And I used to think all, also all the time, like, wouldn't it be great if there were like a chain of restaurants that focused on kids and they were able... <laughs> Like you could call in the order and it'd be on the table when you got there, right? So there would be no waiting. I think the thing with restaurants and kids too is you're playing Russian roulette with hunger. Like you really have to catch hunger at the right spot. And if you wait till your kid's hangry, obviously waiting for the meal is going to be really difficult. And if your kid's not hungry at all, they're going to be bored and they're going to you know, act like dicks because they're bored and not hungry. So 
you know, I feel like there's it's okay to not go to restaurants because you have a kid who might potentially just fall out or be a pain in the ass because it's Thursday. And um, so that's how I kind of feel. But if you are going to a restaurant, I think keeping the art of conversation is really key, even with your three-year-old. And we've gone through this and this is in my book, Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler, which is like engage your kid in conversation because oftentimes we don't. We respond to three and four-year-olds, but we don't engage them in conversation. And a few things you can do with that is like, you know, what's your favorite? Kids love that. You can play cards. There's so many things you can do in restaurants. I'm going to get to that actually at the end. I'll give you like some how-tos. I think also there's how to behave. And how to behave has more to do with just being good or, you know, sitting there waiting patiently for your food. We're losing an art of how to behave with other people because of screens and particularly screens and waiting. And you'll see this all over the place. You guys know I'm not a neophyte. I'm not like, or as my son would say, okay, boomer. (laughs) Even though I'm not a boomer, you know, talking to people, how to be with other humans that aren't in a digital format. And when you are on a screen, it's super, you're super closed. You're in a little bubble. So I think there's huge value in like how to be, how are you in a restaurant? How do you, you know, people watch, Hey, you know, like let's look around and people watching is fascinating. You don't want to talk shit about people, but you could be like, Oh, look at that family. Oh, look at that little girl. She's eating all her peas or, you know, something like that. But people watching is super fun. How to order. Nothing irritates me more. You guys stop ordering for your kid as soon as humanly possible. It's so great when kids order for themselves. It's empowering for them. It gives them a sense of autonomy, but it's also how you relate. I, you know, will take Pascal's friends out and they're shy and then there's not being able to function in the world. And at 14 years old, let me tell you something. You should be able to go up to a counter and order what you want. And these kids are debilitated. There's some kids who just can't, like, no, 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 you do it for me. Like, they have this, like, anxiety. You guys, that's not anxiety. Ordering a fucking cheeseburger at McDonald's should not be an anxiety-provoking thing. And these kids don't have anxiety. So, like, that's where we get into this oh my God, what are we doing to our kids? So really, really, really practice that as soon as they're, as soon as they can talk, you know, what are you going to order? Okay, order for the, you know, tell the waitress what you'd like, tell the waiter what you want to drink. And that's awesome. You can also, as they get older, you can start adding up the prices. You can, you know, when the bill comes, teach them how to tip. That's the funnest thing ever. And conversations that Pascal and I have, of course, this is, you know, when they're a little bit older, but super fun teaching kids how to tip. And, uh, we've had so many conversations. We were at a restaurant one time, and um, I don't know, it was probably eight or nine, and the uh, the service was awful, but you looked around, and it was one person, and they kept going to the bartender. It was clear that this person was, like, brand new, and somebody else hadn't shown up for the shift. So, you know, so then Pascal and I had to have this whole conversation about, okay, well, does that, and I sorry, I used to be a server, so there's no way I'm tipping under 15% just regardless. So I was like, 15% is the bare bones, but let's let's talk about why service was so bad. And do we actually want to, you know, quote unquote, punish the waiter for this service or was this not his fault? You know, and so you get into these really cool conversations about service and what it means and being again kind of gracious with, with circumstances, look around, you know, and was the person having a hard day? So you can really expand the conversation. And I think that's the more important thing about screen times and waiting, right? And people are so interesting, you guys. And people, we see just the shittiest aspects of people on social media, but in real life, 
I hardly ever see that. Uh, and it's so fun. It's just so fun to, to talk to the people in the, the grocery store line. And Pascal just, he's like, Ma, do you have to talk to everybody? And I'm like, I kind of do. But I see him do it. It's making small conversation, you know? And it's really good because kids today don't know how to do that. And so that's, I think, one of the more valuable skills about not having a, a phone with you, right? Here's the thing. I also get a ton of emails with people that are like, oh my God, my five-year-old can't play independently. You know, my, my four-year-old just has impulse control. You guys, you can't expect your kids to play independently and have, you know, perfect impulse control if we don't like guide them on the path. And I think, again, that is one of the issues with waiting and screen time is your kids are never coming up with their own ideas, right? Like if you're bored, oh my God, think about when, I don't know if, no, you couldn't add screens when you were kids in the car because <laughs> I just said Pascal did. But um, I'm thinking of like all the things. There's a meme that goes around on Facebook that's hilarious. It's a kid like with his cheek smushed against the car window and he's just putting it up and down with the electric uh, button. And like his cheek goes up and then it gets smeared down. And it's just like, you know, how we had to entertain ourselves in the car. I remember tracing rain droplets you know, like it would rain and you could trace them with your finger and they became rivers and the the rain on the window was a forest and it was this whole story in my head. So that's the thing we're taking away from kids when we put, you know, put a screen in front of them in the car. It's again, the slightest discomfort we kind of can't put up with, right? So let's talk about some of the things you can do so that you don't have to put a screen in front of your kid. Car, for sure, you can use audiobooks. You guys don't underestimate, I there's a whole, I feel like, Right now, there's two kinds of parents, the parents who use audiobooks and the parents who have no idea about audiobooks. There's Audible, which is a service. And here's what I found about Audible. If I think it's $15 a month. So, you know, sign up for it, you get your book. But then if you actually cancel, if you, you know, you think you want to give it up, you cancel, they'll ask you back at half price. So that's a little tip. Shh. I don't think I'm popular enough for, uh, for Audible to <laughs> come grab me. <laughs> Um, music, just plain old music, you guys, and do yourself a huge favor. It doesn't have to be kids' music. If it is kids', kids music, use They Might Be Giants. That is the most tolerable kids' music ever. So, you know, you don't. Ha- it doesn't have to be kids' music. Pascal used to love the Stand By Me soundtrack because it had a one, two, three, look at Mr. Lee. So he called that the counting song. He loved um, lollipop, lollipop, oh, lolly, lollipop. He thought it was the candy song. So... Stand By Me is a great soundtrack, but, you know, introduce them as long as it's, you know, clean, whatever, not violent. And, you you know, you're not going to have your kid rapping the F-bomb. Use your music. Don't get them all entrenched. All the kids love Hamilton. I will say that. (laughs) There's car games. You know, they have those, those, um, what do you call it? Things that go over the front seat, you know, for the back. So the kids got their own little pockets. Fill it with like car games. There's car versions of games, which I don't love because there's tons of little pieces. But there's, you know, all kinds of little car games that your kids could play. Recall, please, from an episode I did a couple of weeks ago about siblings. Yeah, there's going to be fighting. Yeah, you might have to be like my dad and pull the car over and be like, I'm not moving this car till you guys cut the shit. So that might have to happen. But that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And so again, interpersonal relationships, how to deal with interpersonal relationships, you know, watching your mom flip out. These are all skills <laughs> um, in restaurants. And I've done this before as little um, mini podcasts, cards, 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 regular cards. You can play war, um, which probably has a different name now. That's 
better. <laughs> War, Crazy Eight. You can play Old Maid. Actually, um, if you Google, you can play Old Maid with just a standard deck of cards. It doesn't have to be an Old Maid deck. Um, dice. You, there's so you know you can play counting games with dice. We have one of my favorite games products. It's called Story Cubes. It's six dice with pictures on it, and you roll it, and then you construct a story using the pictures, and it's super fun. Again, let them order, of course, drawing. You can always draw appointments. You know, if you're waiting for an appointment, you can always do rock, paper, scissors. That's always our go-to. Rock, paper, scissors. I didn't grow up with it, so I actually had to Google (laughs) how to play it. But, oh my God, has saved us in so many impromptu um, waiting situations because you use your hands, so you don't have to have anything on you. Make small talk. Again, with appointments, make small talk. And it's super, it's super fun. I don't, it was so funny because we, um, one time I was in the dentist with Pascal and this mom, she had like three kids and obviously one kid was already in the dentist thing. And, you know, I just started talking to her about the kids and kid behavior. And it turns out she was a speech pathologist. And I said, oh, you know, we were talking about speech and potty training. And I ran out to my car to get a copy of my book for her because I said, oh, we should work, you know, because so many people delay potty training because of speech. And she was like, oh, I know. So we started talking. So I got a copy of my book. And then her older son came out of the dentist. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. This kid <laughs> looks down at my book and he looks down at me and, I, and his eyes got really big. And I was like, oh yeah, I wrote a book about crap and it's on the cover. How cool is that? And like, you could see this kid. I swear I said a dream in motion that day. <laughs> so small talk, small talk gets you things. It connects you, it networks. You know, me and the speech pathologist ended up doing some work together. So don't underestimate that for yourself, but then you model it for your kids, right? Which is like, yeah, small talk is a really valuable skill. I see kids, again, I see a lot of Pascal's friends. Now they're teenagers and they're like deer in the headlights. So you ask this kid about the weather and they look at you like you shot their mother. They look just horrified that you're asking them a random question. I'm telling you, it's it's a lost art. So cultivated at the grocery store. You know, when you have littles, they're kind of easily, a little more easily entertained in that front spot of the, the grocery cart. But oh, nothing drives me crazier than seeing a bigger kid in the back on a screen. You guys, grocery stores are ripe with opportunity. And every year your kid gets older, the better it gets. They can help you. I've shared this before. I used to give Pascal 20 bucks and he had to go and manage his own money. He had to handle his own transaction. There's so many things you can do. You can make a list with, you know, maybe little pictures. Even when you're making the grocery list can be a whole activity. An older child can make pictures next to the list and your younger child can cross them off. You know, you can make it a sort of interactive thing. And I also recognize that you might be going grocery shopping, but tired and like, So I'm not trying to be all Pinterest mom, like, oh, grocery store can be a whole day's activity. Yeah, I recognize that's obnoxious. If you have the time, it can be that. And if you're just shitty and tired, you can also use the phone, occupy your kid and get the grocery store done. So I just want to be really clear that I am in both camps. (laughs) So I, I always, 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 though, don't want you guys to feel guilty about when you have to use various tools. They exist and... You know, who knows? I also, like I've expressed in other podcasts, I'm pretty fatalistic about a lot of this stuff. Like our kids are just going to have different brains than we have. Is it better? Is it worse? We're constantly evolving. And I think that's one of the weirdest concepts that people don't understand is that like, we're not done. We're not done evolving. Like we might look like, you know, uh, Area 51 aliens in another hundred years because we've 
our brains have, you know, developed in a different way. So I don't think there's value in just holding on to the old ways for sure. But I think it's good to keep in mind of like what is being learned right now or what learning opportunities are being missed right now when my child's on a screen. All right. Next question, how to spark graciousness in your kids. And again, it's funny because it kind of came up in the screen time thing, right? Which is how to model graciousness. And this particular mom was like, I'm not talking about just being polite, but I'm talking about taking responsibility and being grateful for what we have. We all know this is an issue, right? Kids are not grateful. Here's the thing, you guys. It's really, really hard at just about any age Except when, I don't know, maybe, maybe after 12, they start to get an inkling. So Waldorf, if you're familiar with Waldorf education, nine is a sort of magical number. I don't know a lot about Waldorf, but I do know that nine is sort of magical. It has to do with the amount of teeth that the child lost. And I know that they go on one of their first big overnight camping trips, you know, like for several days. And it is one of the reasons that like nine eight, nine, 10, it's not always just nine. But one of the things that happens is like that veil comes off your child's eyes and the world, they start to recognize that the world is not just about them. They start to recognize that there are other people with feelings that may be hungry or tired, you know, that there's a bigger world outside of them. And this causes a lot of distress because life is great when you think it's just about you, right? So that causes some like emotional wonkiness. And people say that like, oh my God, they're so emotional. And so that's part of the reason, you know, and this is on a a bigger spiritual level. So definitely what happens is that most kids cannot imagine a life outside their own. So when you talk about kids starving in Africa, when you talk about being grateful because some cat, you know, some moms are mean, some moms are this, it's really hard for your kid to see outside themselves. So they don't, it's kind of a useless argument. So I don't know that you're doing any damage by saying those words, but it's just, it's wicked, not effective. And yeah, it's just kind of a waste of breath. So know that. And these ages dip And there's dips and valleys. So I'll give you an example. Pascal has gone in and out of being like super gracious, super grateful, super taking responsibility for his actions. And then puberty hit. And holy fuck, you guys, it's hilarious because it's like, and we're working on it. But I'll say something like, hey, can you pick up that plate? I don't want it. And you obviously ate something in front of the television. Can you pick up that plate? And he's like, you leave plates in the living room all the time. Whoa, dude, chill. (laughs) Yes, I do. That's not the issue. And I simply asked you to move it. I did not reprimand you. (laughs) So there's this like instant wall and he's a great kid, but this is like, whoa, this is so developmental to me because I'm like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. (laughs) So it does, the kids come in and out of it. So number one, know that. One of the things that happens with us as parents, and I see it all the time. It was so funny because I dear, dear friend of mine just said this. And I was like, dude, you cannot do that. You can't bank graciousness in your kids, particularly for the like under eight crowd. So what I mean by that is she had worked really hard on making this gorgeous, she had the sourdough starter that she had done in the pandemic. And she had done these overnight sponges to make the best different kinds of like waffles and pancakes and uh, crumpets. She was making all kinds of sourdough shit. And it was like this beautiful brunch for her kids. And like, literally they act like little shitheads for the whole meal. And she was like, ah, how could they, 
I spent all this time? Your kids do not care how much time you put in to make their experience magical. They do not care. They will still fall out on the drop of a dime. They will still be little shitheads at the drop of a dime. They do not care. It is developmentally inappropriate to expect them to care. Okay. (laughs) So don't try to bank gratefulness. You can't do it. Again, I don't know that you're doing any harm except to your own head, but it's just, it's so ineffective. So you got to think whenever you do something super great for your kids, it has to be altruistic for now because you're just not going to get anything in return. That being said, you could force it. You go to your room and be grateful. (laughs) But that's not how we parent for most of the people listening to my podcast. This is really all about modeling, you guys. Model, model, model. And I went through this uh, a couple of podcasts ago. And parents are usually very unaware of how shitty their modeling is at times. And it is. They're just watching us. They're watching us all the time all the time. And I even shared that quick example about me and Pascal. Like, I'm really gracious. When I get up, I offer, can I get you anything? And he does that back because I do it with regularity. I regularly try to let people cut in front of me. I regularly carry um, a woman's grocery. You know, I've done old women's groceries. I've done old man's groceries. I've done a mom with four kids groceries. You know, looking around. Again, it ties into that screen time tote. Looking around, does somebody need help? Here, I can stop and help. Noticing, you know, talking about homeless people when we come up on it, not just avoiding eye contact and driving by. Like, why are people homeless? You know, knowing, are we going to give them money? Are we not going to give them money? This kind of thing, that's what sparks graciousness. You you can't, it's not an over thing that you can practice. So one of the things is, you know, Pascal and I have talked about the homeless population, particularly in the winter. And I am very clear, you know, if you give money to the homeless people, you have to give it and know that it might go to cigarettes. It might go to drugs. It might go to booze. You know, my personal feeling around the holidays is Merry Christmas, do what you do. But generally speaking, we try to keep hand warmers and feet warmers in the car. Um, In the summer, we keep little things, a mosquito bite, um, mosquito spray and hand sanitizer. So am I being gracious? Yes. Am I also like he's learning the lesson that like, whoa, some people are so unfortunate. So there's just like all this modeling that you do, how you handle interactions. How do you handle it when somebody cuts you off? So I have my moments in the car where I, you know, have a flash of road rage just like anybody else. But generally speaking, I try to, when I'm on the road, and this is just a life philosophy, it's not even just to model for Pascal, but if somebody just is, you know, in the breakdown lane, that drives me crazy. Speeding in the break, breakdown lane, you're not supposed to do that. You guys, I'm, a, I'm an intense rule follower. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I always think, you know what? Maybe there's a pregnant woman in labor in the car. Maybe the person in the car just found out that their parent is on their last breath and they're trying to get to the hospital before they die. So I try to allow this expansion. And I think so many of us are more bitter than we think. And so check in on yourself. Are you like, oh, see, everybody. I, I had a friend who thought she was like the most positive thinking person. And yeah, she had some like cool law of attraction thought. She was like, you know, like, oh, don't say that. Uh, It's law of attraction. You should be attracting, you know, she thought she was the most positive thing, but every single person she came in contact with, she had something negative to say, oh yeah, of course, of course they're going to speed because people suck. You know, like watch your mindset because you are the one leading this and that kind of modeling, that's how you spark graciousness. That's how you spark 
you know, being grateful and taking responsibility. Do you do that yourself, particularly as your child gets older and starts to notice your flaws? You know, at three, two, they think you're the bee's knees, you know, three, you start getting that kickback. But at some point, your child will say, well, you do this. Do you take accountability? Do you turn around and say, oh my God, I do. I'm so sorry. I will try to watch that in the future. Thank you for pointing that out for me. That's huge. That goes a long way. Or do you say, nah, well, you always, oh my God, this, teach your child this, model this, because this fucking drives me nuts. You have a gripe with somebody and you say, you know, you did X, Y, and Z. I feel X, Y, and Z. And the person turns around and goes, well, you always, or last year you did this. You guys, that's an inappropriate response. When somebody comes to you with a hurt feeling, with a flaw, with something you did wrong, take responsibility. Even if you think, you didn't do it. Say, I'm sorry. I was unaware of this or whatever. Again, your kids are watching. That's modeling, taking responsibility. Do you do it yourself? Because as humans, we're messy and many, 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 many people don't. <laughs> yeah. Grateful. Are you actually grateful? So you can't expect your child to be grateful about the little things if you don't express gratitude yourself about the little things. One thing that I did, I we stopped doing it because I forget why, but I might have to bring it back. Huge piece of butcher paper. And I would put it over my bed because I liked to have these thoughts like over me, watching over me at night while I slept. But Pascal, every night we would do three things that we were grateful for. And some things ended up being just super, um, what do you call it? In the now, you know, he was grateful he won the Pokemon match. He was grateful for, you know, his video game, you know, and then he, and one day he said to me, mom, I heard that some kids don't have food and water. I don't even know where he heard it, but he said, can I be grateful because we have water? And I was like, fuck yeah, you could be grateful about having water. So see like that. And he was pretty young because it was kind of a cool moment, but he was young for that kind of expansive thinking outside of himself. So that's how you do it. You know, if you are super great, like, do you leave your house sometimes and say, oh my God, look at the sky. I'm so grateful. Even now, you guys, it's hard. We live in a shitty time right now. It's just really hard. Everything is politicized. Everything, anger, anger, anger is flowing. People just want to fight. And it's really, 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 really hard. And, you know, this is, I'm recording this on July 22nd. And it's hard because we're still coming, you know, the pandemic, people have all kinds of opinion, mask wearings, but become politicized. So everybody's just like, boom, like, I'm going to fight you, man. And so like, we really have to pull the pendulum the other way with our kids, with what we're grateful for. And just, it's so, I constantly say like, what a beautiful time to be alive. We have so much technology. We have so much, um, available to us. So keep reminding your kid and be vocal about that. And that's how you cultivate an air of gratefulness. I see people all the time. They're just, they're negative Nellies. They're Debbie Downers. Everything's negative. Everybody's trying to take them. Everything's a scam. And then they sit down and try to do, you know, they want their kid to be grateful all on their own. It doesn't work that way. Make gratitude journals a thing. I just think that's so great because you know what you get, like when you sit down and write three things every day or every weekend, you run out of mundane things. And so your kids have to stretch their mind a little to start looking at interactions. Oh, wow. I'm really glad that I'm really grateful that you were, gave me snuggles today. You know what I mean? Like they have to expand their own mind about it. And that's really, really cool. So as always, you know, how do you do this? You become a better person. (laughs) 
and a better parent, right? As we're all just striving to do. All right, you guys, I'm going to log off for today. As always, I love you guys. I love the questions. I love creating content with you. I am so eternally grateful for your support here on Patreon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Rock on. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book presale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified OCRAP consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.